Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 18 of Hardly Committed, season one, episode 18. Oh, sorry. No. Natural instincts. Yeah, you, we just got done doing our radio show, and I think Nick is still just, on, on radio mode. I just scream roll call. That's okay. Nick, uh, Nick's my producer, although not doing too much producing today because our, our radio producer is actually doing this one today, Trevor Kelsey, in the, uh, in the other room. But this is Hardly Committed. And this is where we talk basketball recruiting. Nick sometimes throws in a little football recruiting. And then, of course, the podcast within the podcast, the Annex, which we'll get to later in the in the episode. A big episode today here on Hardly Committed. We have Jake Weingardner on the show. And what was supposed to be about a 10-minute interview ended up turning into 20 minutes plus uh, because Jake's an interesting dude. He is 17 years old and... Uh, Verified on Twitter, over 13,000 followers. He's been Jeez. breaking recruiting news left and right I as a 17-year-old. So he tells this story about how he has kind of broken through the recruiting game now and lately has been getting as many scoops as a Evan Daniels, who's been on the podcast, as a Corey Evans, as a Eric Bossy. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it's good stuff. And then he, of course, weighs in. He's friends with these dudes which I think gives him an advantage. He is in the same grade as these guys. Uh, he's got a good relationship with a lot of them. He talks about that. So he fills us in on what he thinks about Matthew Hurt, which, by the way, he's got he's got a take on Matthew Hurt that you're not seeing anywhere else. You'll have to listen to I, I won't spoil it. Uh, he talks about Jaden McDaniels. He talks about if Kentucky is still the cool school with recruits, which I think all, all, all this stuff coming from somebody that, that's age, that is that age is really interesting. And I think maybe one of the more fascinating parts. He says that he's going to the University of Louisville on his Twitter page. He's from New York. From New York. So, but Louisville? I think he's from Queens. But he says he's going to Louisville on his Twitter page, but told me, and you'll hear this here in a little bit, that he's actually considering UofL and UK for his college destination. So a little recruitment within the recruitment, which we can respect having a podcast within the podcast. So So did you you lobby for our alma mater? uh, You know what? I I said he can't go wrong with either place as a college student because I don't think he can. Realistically, I don't. I, I think the the college experience at Kentucky is it's a lot more better. fun yeah. because my wife went to Louisville, a lot of my friends went to Louisville, and the stuff that they were doing as their college experience Completely was the same different. thing I was doing as a high school student in Louisville, which was sitting around in a basement and drinking and doing goofy stuff like that. Yeah. Of course, there are more parties, but I, Kentucky, yeah, I, Kentucky were, is a fun place to go. UK. Lexington in general, much better college experience, but the city of Louisville, much better kind of adult experience. Yeah, when you're an adult, but if you're going to college, yeah. But neither here nor there. He talks a little bit about that. I think you'll enjoy it. But we'll uh, we'll talk about some other stuff here. Matthew Hurt officially visits Kentucky, and dun, 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 he takes a picture in the U.K. jersey. Kentucky has cracked. Yes. And now they'll have kids on their official visits take pictures as well. I mean, this is how John Calipari, he get, he's he got his recruiting groove back. This was the curveball <laughs> he is, needed this to This is learn. what he needs. He yeah. needed it. I, uh, in all seriousness, I, I do find it hilarious because I talked to somebody close to UK and they said that one of the assistants went up to Cal and was like, they're doing it everywhere, man. Like, you, you can't do it. And, you know, I think it was last week we talked about how Kentucky's spin on this, the fact that they don't do it, should be, hey – if you, the only way you're going to take pictures in Kentucky jerseys is if you commit here. This jersey means something to us. You know, I was like, they could spin it that way since they're the only school not doing it. 
supposedly that's what they were telling her crew. Huh. Like, hey, you know, we want you to take pictures, we want you to enjoy it, but if you want to put on the Kentucky jersey, you can do it on opening night. Supposedly that actually was what they were telling recruits. Huh. But finally, social media likes one out, and they realize that any press is good press. They need to get the kids in the jersey so they can get the likes and feel special and let what Big Blue Nation, which has one of the biggest, if not the biggest, social media presence, kind of do its job. And Matthew Hurt becomes the first player to do it. I no word on if they couldn't get longer shorts for Matthew Hurt in his video or in his pictures because those are very very short. A lot of leg. A lot of leg. A lot of yeah, leg. a lot of leg there. Look like uh, Stockton and in, in those puppies, but that's okay. He visits. We'll talk. Let, let, let's talk about the visit. I heard it went really really well. Shockingly, drink. Uh, but in all seriousness, it wasn't just your normal. Hey, things went went well. We we liked how the visit went. Uh, Kentucky feels really good after the visit. One little negative, if you want to to make it a negative, is the Hurt family did make it pretty clear to Kentucky that we're going to take our time. We're you know we still want you to recruit us. We still want you to do this and that. And that. But there was a little sense in the Kentucky camp that he could maybe pull the trigger in December, or January just to get it out of the way. I think the Hurt family kind of nipped that in the bud and said, we're going to wait and see what happens with some other roster decisions. So this probably will be one that goes longer. Of course, the kid can change his mind. Maybe the kid goes and visits Duke, and he says, you know what, if this is like the second most historic program next to Kentucky, they don't even hold a candle. You know, Maybe like he'll go somewhere else and realize Kentucky's the place that he wants to go. Maybe he'll go somewhere else and realize that's the place he wants to go. I'm not too sure. But it does seem like that they made it clear to Kentucky and, and people close to Kentucky and Kentucky staff that they're going to take their time. They're going to take some of their they're going to take some of their other visits. I don't know if he'll take all five. Probably will, and he'll uh, he'll he'll go from there. Make a decision from there. But I like Kentucky's chances with where, where things stand as of today. They've done a great job in this in this recruitment. You Minnesota is an option, and Jake talks a little bit about Minnesota's chances. But you're not really it. You're not battling the homeschool quite like you did with James Wiseman in Memphis. So I mean, it's Richard Pitino after all. Yeah, and, and they stink too. Who wants to play for that guy? Kentucky's recruitment is it's it, relationships and being able to come in and play is going to be important. Atmosphere was really important to the Hurt family. They wanted to see pregame festivities during the game, how the crowd is involved. They came for the Ooh. UNC Greensboro game. Which, you, so you were there. I was there. It, it looked like it was a pretty good crowd once Kentucky got things rolling in the second half. Well, that a lot of people, and I think like Kentucky staff, they thought he was going to come for a bigger game, but they, they reached out and said, hey, we want to come this weekend. And they said, of course, Kentucky's not going to say no. So right. I think there was a little concern that, like, oh, no, he does, atmosphere is going to play a role here. And I don't think, like, ultimately Matthew Hurt's going to pick the college that had the the loudest crowd, mm-hmm. but like that, it does matter. You don't want to go to a place where it's a sleepy crowd and, and the crowd's not into it because that's not fun for a kid. That's not fun uh, when you're playing your college games, but there was like a little concern of, Oh no, it's, it's UNC Greensboro and it's a one o'clock game. Yeah. It's on a Saturday, but like this, I don't know how, how good this crowd's going to be. It was awesome. It, it truly was. I was there. I think it was one of the better non-power six crowds that I can remember at a, at a like, especially a mid-major team. Um, I'm sure there's some other opponents maybe I'm missing. But in terms of mid-majors, it's as good as one as I can remember at Rupp Arena in the in the non-conference, obviously, because you wouldn't be playing an SEC team that's a mid-major team. Uh, although, you know, Ole Miss is about the next closest thing that you can get to. More like Ole Piss. 
Grow up. Grow up. <laughs> that one never gets old. Visit went well, and uh, I'm, nothing's changed my mind as of today. That that Kentucky's uh, Kentucky's probably the the team to beat. But we'll see. He still has to take his other you official know, visits. Other schools will get some momentum, and and we'll we'll see. I'm glad. So you've been on this. Uh, hey, Matthew Hurt could come to UK. You've been on this thing for quite a while, and I'm glad that our old boss is finally coming around. Yeah, Matt uh, said that he's hearing similar things. And, and, and Matt sa- said something on KSR that I kind of want to address. He said, TJ sometimes is overly optimistic. He likes Kentucky's chances with Matthew Hurt. And he did add the caveat that he's talking that I'm talking with people close to Kentucky, and generally people close to Kentucky are over, overly optimistic. They are. He's absolutely right about that. He is spot on about that, that people close to Kentucky generally are – optimistic about where they stand in recruitments, and there's a few reasons why, and I want to go into them. One, Kentucky doesn't get told no. They, they they get the guys more often than they don't. Now, things are starting to change a little bit where it's like, yeah, they're, they're missing more than, than they're used to, but since Calipari took over, when they key in on a guy, a lot of times they, they're going to get him or they're going to be right there to have a chance to get him. The stuff with Vernon Carey not making his top three, that's, that's, not, that's not the norm. So generally, they feel optimistic because they're going to be one of two or maybe three options. So of course, they feel good about their chances if that's the case. Uh, two, kids lie and parents lie to them, just like you lie to people too sitting at home when you go to your Christmas parties and somebody asks you how you're doing. You're not going to like be honest with them and say bad things are horrible. I'm depressed. Life is miserable. No, you're going to say good, and you're going to make small talk, and you're going to act like you're happy, and you're going to act like everything's going well. People do that on visits, too. And they say, man, we really like what we see. We love what we've seen from Kentucky. We man, we really appreciate everything you did. You gave us a lot to think about. This is going to be hard to say no to. People lie to the, the coaches. People lie to people. You know, there's lying going on everywhere. So Kentucky will talk to a parent, and they'll feel like, all right, that parent told us everything we wanted to hear. Of course we feel good about it. So that goes into it as well. Now, in this job, you have to learn to understand that people close to Kentucky are going to feel good about their chances. So how do people on the AAU side feel about things? Can you get a candid quote from a parent or a kid that maybe helps pull back the curtain a little bit? There, there, there's more that goes into it. But you do have to learn that a lot of people close to Kentucky feel good about their chances and a lot of recruitment. So when you hear that Kentucky feels good about it, take it with a grain of salt. I guess the only good news is on the inverse is if Kentucky says they don't feel good about a recruitment, then you know that they're probably not going to get that kid. That uh, if they don't feel good about a situation, then they're probably not going to get that kid. And that's where things stand with Isaiah Stewart. And I don't think they're going to get him. I don't think they think they're going to get him. Something drastic would have to happen, but it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't appear all that good. And really, with Kentucky's targets, it's Matthew Hurt, it's Jada McDaniel, and it's Keon Brooks. Because I don't really throw Isaiah Stewart into the hunt there. With Keon Brooks, I think Indiana leads. Nothing really new there. I do expect a decision sometime soon, maybe in December, but I, I'm not too sure. His buddy, Trace Jackson Davis, committed to IU. That's only going to help the Hoosiers' chances, but I'll say that he knew all along that that Trace was going to go to IU, so it's not that huge of a deal, although it certainly helps. And uh, I, I think he ultimately ends up at IU, but I'd like to be wrong there. And then Jaden McDaniels, things have gone quiet. We found out that Kentucky has offered. Kentucky offered a long time ago. Uh, that yeah, was, that that, was that, clear. Yeah, I, I, Kentucky wouldn't go out there and visit as much as they did without offering. Yeah. And people, one person brought up, well, you know, Aiden Iggyhan, I what, Igehan, however you pronounce it, the, the Louisville commit. We're keeping with Iggyhan. Sticking with Iggyhan. Yeah. 
Well, Cal visited him. Cal visited him once. Mm-hmm. Saw him one time. So um, the the Jaden McDaniels clearly had a committable offer for for a while, even though it wasn't reported, and we found out why it wasn't reported. Jaden doesn't care about the attention and all that sort of deal. So so good for him. I like Kentucky's chances, assuming he wants to leave the West Coast, and that's going to be the big hiccup. And the West Coast is the best coast. It'll be <laughs> tough. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but. He'd be a good player if you could get Jaden McDaniels and Matthew Hurt. It's not going to help you too much from a rebounding front, but you do have two elite scores, and that Kentucky team would be tough to guard because look at what the Kentucky commits are already doing. Mm-hmm. Dante Allen is averaging like 44 points a game, 43 points a game, nearly like 16 and a half, 17 yeah. rebounds. But his average keeps dropping. Yeah, no, two 50-point performances, and now things are going the other way because he's only scoring like 30 points. Only played Gosh. three quarters on Tuesday night and had like 36 points. Man. Wild, wild. Uh, Tyrese Maxey had 38 points on Tuesday night and a loss. He's a great scorer. And then, obviously, Khalil Whitney is is putting up great numbers as well. Jake talks a little bit about Khalil Whitney. So you can add Hurt and, and McDaniels with that class or Keon Brooks, who I think Kentucky's running second in that recruitment as of today. Then, offensively, I don't know how you guard, how you guard the Cats next season. So things are looking good in that regard. Uh, Anthony Edwards. A player that, with talking with people close to Kentucky, I don't think they're going to get. Now, maybe they can get a visit, although it doesn't look like it'd be an official visit with where things stand right now. Maybe they can get a visit. If they get a visit, potentially things can change, but I'm going to go with Florida State until I hear something different, and I think you'd be wise to to do the same, to think that uh, Anthony Edwards, the new number one player in 2019. I'll strike him off my list. You know, but dude in pencil. So what about lipstick? No. No? No. One less guy. Glad I called that guy. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about Kentucky. They do beat Greensboro. That was a good win, in my opinion. No, on Selection Sunday, it's not going to say quality wins and say UK beat UNC Greensboro. However, that was a tricky team, a team that should have beaten Gonzaga or could have beaten Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament last year, returned pretty much everybody off that team. That Alonzo guy was a good scorer. Mm-hmm. Kentucky should beat that team by 17, in my opinion. The game was a lot closer than it should be. Kentucky down five in the middle of the second half. That should not happen. However, I love the way Kentucky closed that game out. Man, Ashton Hagens puts the clamps down on Alonzo, who has 19 first-half points. I think only scored three in the second half. The magician from Malaga. I loved the way UK looked in those final eight minutes. That is a team that, with the right progression could go to the Final Four. The final eight minutes, those cats, and the thing is, like, they didn't even play perfectly, and they still were able to just completely blitz UNC Greensboro and put that game away, win by double digits, win by 15-plus, and that part of the game I'm taking away as a major positive. Probably the best game of the season to this point. Well, certainly the best stretch. That eight-minute stretch, you're not going to do better. Uh, The 32 minutes before, the 30 minutes before, yeah, kind of more of the same. You had some good moments. Yep. You had some really bad moments. It was kind of the inconsistent cats that we're used to seeing. But Reed but Travis was consistent. Reed Travis and and uh, and Keldon Johnson are they're they're going to be great for Kentucky all season. They just need one more dude to come in and be the consistent third. We all thought it'd be PJ Washington. <laughs> it hasn't been him. It has not been him. I don't get it. Got to step up. Hasn't done it yet. And I don't know. I feel like offensively, some of it's he's trying to do too much. You know, there's dribbling off his foot and kind of just overall looking kind of out of it. 
I don't know. Somebody suggested maybe it's because Reed is doing playing the kind of role he played last year, and so PJ's kind of trying to figure out his role. But he at least needs to be able to rebound. Like, I feel like that's one thing you you should be able to rely on PJ between seven and ten re- rebounds a game. Yeah. So like, it, if nothing else, he needs- and he had eight against Greensboro, and that's all fine and dandy, and he had nine points. But there shouldn't be such long. Like he did that in a little stretch of time. And it's what Kenny Payne said to the media last week. Like, why can't you do that consistently? Yeah. He does that, then he's he is legitimately in the conversation for one of the better bigs in the country. It, it rem- I don't know what's going on. With it him. reminds me of remember, uh, Dick Vitale during the Indiana game in Bloomington where he's just talking about Terrence Jones. This is not my preseason All-American. He's on the sidelines. Look at now. I try to tune out Dick Vitale. But it, it was one of those where you were wondering how come Terrence Jones wasn't playing like a sophomore. And I, I think it's similar in PJ. We're all waiting for him to take that next step. A little sophomore slump, maybe to start the year. Yeah, maybe well, so. Hopefully, he can get that uh, get that figured out. Yeah. Um, uh, before we go to the annex, um, can I just? Well, let's preview Seton Hall a little bit. Okay, they but, press but, too, but, right? Well, they, they they'll try to do some things. They'll put some um, pressure on you. They they played Louisville close, but they'll try to do some things. What a stupid comment. Yeah, that was really stupid, TJ. I'm glad I helped you. Um. They they played a little close, but ultimately fell apart down the stretch. Uh, no Angel Delgado or Desi Rodriguez. Yeah, it's it's not your <laughs> it's not your last year, Seton Hall. No, I, I don't know too much about Seton Hall, and I don't want to go Mike Francesca on everybody. But they played a little tight. That game was going on at the same time the Kentucky game was going on. I did have it on my computer, so I was able to catch bits and pieces from it. I think they're going to give Kentucky some looks from the outside. And I think if Kentucky is hitting outside shots in this game, because they're going to get a they're going to get a plethora of them, I think they they should be able to win with uh, with some ease. I think Louisville took twenty seven threes, and Louisville's a bit, probably a better shooting team than Kentucky right now. They took twenty seven threes. Kentucky's going to get if they want to shoot twenty seven threes. Kentucky will be able to shoot twenty seven threes, probably more, because Seton Hall will put such an emphasis on trying to slow down Reed Travis and PJ Washington and EJ Montgomery on the front court. Kentucky's going to have a lot of outside looks. They can make this game very easy for themselves by hitting those outside shots, and they also should be able to get to the line a lot against Seton Hall as well. So if Kentucky's hitting free throws and hitting outside shots, this should be a blowout. If not, it could come down to the wire. Is there any? Is there a little part of you that's a little nervous and this is like the first somewhat big-name opponent that they've played since Duke and we all know how that game turned out? I hope that it it – inspires them maybe injects a little energy into it because you could tell in some of those like Wednesday night games that we were kind of sleeping through that they were sleeping through too yeah so I, th- I think some of it you you hope that just getting out of this groove I mean I'm sure they're tired of practicing this week they've got to be sick and tired of it back in the news so I'm, I'm hoping that the the change in scenery the change have playing a team with a name that you're familiar with will will, will give them a little boost of energy you hope so where they don't you know that 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 in the first half against UNCG, you thought that they were getting ready to to blow blow the doors off the building. There's a few times, and then they just Kelvin Johnson rolls his ankle, and then they start getting sloppy with the ball. Um, so you hope that they can kind of bring the energy from the get go. I think a lot of that starts with Ashton Hagens, and maybe that can be infectious and rub off of PJ Washington. And that's one thing that like I I I like from this Kentucky team is that a lot of their mistakes you can point them out and you can be like what what are you doing here and I'm sure they do that during film session I'm just sure they're like why why did you think you could make that pass that's not a pass that you normally try to make that's not a pass that and it led to two points on a turnover like just be a little bit smarter on defense hey 
you know, you go to switch on this guy, the guy gets by you, your your teammate's guarding him, he was your guy. What it, what it, why are you just standing there? Why aren't you going and guarding his guy? Because wouldn't common sense tell you that if he starts guarding your man and you're not guarding anybody, that that means somebody's – like, so many of these things that Kentucky's making mistakes on, and you're right, there was chances where it looked like Kentucky was about ready to break away in the first half, and then Alonzo would come down and hit a wide-open three. Mm-hmm. There were so many times where it's just change that, fix that, move over here, defend, don't take a break, and Kentucky would be fine. But it's small little breakdowns that are costing this team. You hope they get it cleaned up. Now they're in the football schedule mode, one game every Saturday from here to the end of the month. And then even going into the new year, they'll play Arkansas to start SEC play. Just be better. Just be better. Fix these things up. A lot of practice time. I think Kentucky will get better defensively. That's the one area I'm a little concerned is defensively. But Ashton Hagen stepped up in a huge way, looked like the defender I thought he was going to be. And I think think things are going to trend in the right direction. At least I hope they will. All right, anything else? And now on Hardly Committed, we have Jake Weingarten, who, if you've been following recruiting, you probably can't ignore his tweets, his work. He's been breaking news left and right. I'm happy to have him on. Jake, thank you for for taking the time and joining us. Of course, no problem. Thanks for having me. I want to start here by just allowing you to kind of let our listeners know your your background a little bit because again everybody knows the the Evan Daniels and the Eric Bossies and Corey Evans of the recruiting world but you're 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 somewhat new to the scene and uh, and I I know a little bit about your backstory but I find it pretty fascinating so if you would let us know uh, you know who you are how old you are how you got into recruiting and and all that good stuff. Well, I mean I'm 17 years old. That's the that's the coolest part of it and. I'm from Queens, New York, kind of big, pretty big, I'd say, in New York. But um, basically, I got into all this. I was literally, this is the exact story, and some people don't believe me when I say this. <laughs> I was sitting in my classroom freshman year of high school. I was probably the, the one of the most quiet people in the entire school. You wouldn't imagine that knowing me now because I'm all over the place with everybody, but yeah. yeah, I was just sitting in class, and actually it started more on the NBA side of things. I was a, I'm a huge Washington Wizards fan, and I know well. I used to know one of the people that worked for them, and I went down there a lot. And he was a reporter, and I'm like, wow, like that look, he's talking to John Wall over there. And I was like, I really want to do that. So basically, SB Nation had openings for the Wizards site. Got involved with them, and honestly, I, I got really bored of the NBA. And then when De'Aaron Fox was at Kentucky, actually, I went to – I forgot the game. It was at MSG, and they just played – they might have played Kansas. I might, I'm probably I think I think but, it was Michigan State. Yeah, well, yeah, I think it was Michigan State, and then Duke played the game after, I believe. Yep, yep, and yep, they played Kansas. I sat, I sat in – the section behind the hoop, and I met the Iron Fox and Bam Adebayo. But then what I was intrigued by, I looked to my left, and there's this kid being surrounded by 15 people. I was, I'm was, i saying 15, it was just an estimate, but they were reporters. And, and I said to my dad, you know who that is? Like, I had no clue who it was. And then I think the person behind us said it was Quad A Green. So I, at the time, Quade Green must have been get, was getting recruited by Kentucky at that time. Yeah. So, I mean, I looked over there, and it's a kid who's literally 
probably around my age, a little older, with all these people around him. And I just found it so fascinating that, you know, he's literally a kid in high school and he has all this publicity. And then I started off with a small blog called, I think, Five Running Sports. I kind of forgot the name of it. It was just a local, like, upstate blog. They, they changed their name a lot. And literally my highest article had 34 views. And there was just something, you know, to just type and speak my mind, talk about the game I love to watch. I used to play a lot of ball. And then basically I, I started just tweeting out offers and stuff. And it came about when a kid said, oh, you, you do recruiting stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but only <laughs> – well, I, I just got answering, and I didn't know who to send it to, so he just sent it my way. And actually, it was Tyrell Jones who's now committed to Auburn, huh. and and it's it's just crazy. The first five kids I tweeted about or wrote about are all playing high major D1, and I'm I'm potentially going to school with two of them. So I mean, it's, it's just crazy to think that I was just sitting in a classroom one day decided to become an MBA writer, then I go to a game months later and I'm I'm there and then now I, I honestly I never expected to blow up like this. Honestly the big thing for me was I enjoy talking with these kids. They might once again at my age so I connect with these I don't consider them a crew. I consider it more of a, a friend, a, a brother, whatever it is, depending who it is. But yeah. I mean I, I connect with these kids so I I can't say these kids because I'm their age but I connected with them, and, and that's what kind of got me more involved. I, I could be having a regular conversation, and then out of nowhere, they'll bring up the recruiting. I mean, it's a, it's a two-way thing, and I just love what I do because I've met so many people that eventually I'm, I'm going to build a bigger bond with them, a bigger friendship, and it's, it's honestly it's been a real fun ride, and I'm excited for the rest of it. Yeah, that that is a that is a really cool story. Obviously, one I wasn't overly familiar with, and I and I think stories again starting at your age that's that's probably an exception. But I think a lot of writers or wannabe writers have similar starts where you know what I'm just going to start writing, and if people read it, great. If they don't, that's okay. I'm kind of doing this for fun, anyways. I'm doing this for me. I think a lot of people can relate to the 34 uh, clicks and 34 views, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, but that's where the story ends for a lot of people. And obviously for you, it's just, it's grown in. And you're allowed to call them kids. You're, you're a kid yourself, but you're allowed to call them kids. And, uh, and, and I think a lot of people are going to be excited just to see how far you can go. And it's, it's just the beginning for you. And now you're writing for uh, Stock Risers. What can you tell us about, about that? Well, Stock Risers is actually my website that I own. I okay. started it. It's actually been a year and a, a couple of weeks now, but. When I started Stock Risers, this is a personal decision of mine. I mean, everyone has their opinion, but I just thought I'd, I'd want to do my, my things on my own. And I definitely learned that this summer that working with other people, yeah, it's a fun experience to network, but I kind of want to do my own thing and see where it goes. I, I've loved being the boss. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. been, it's been real fun. I've done to build a brand. I'm it's obviously expanding. I'm actually starting up an ex- another website called More Than a Recruit. It's kind of like LeBron's thing. LeBron has his own thing. I think it's called the. Uh, I forgot what it's called. But LeBron has this thing where all the athletes record blogs and this that. But 
what more than a recruit is. I'm going to do more player interactive things where they could do day in the life type things, player interviews, whatever it is, more media, more interactive. And that's just going to be like separate from stock rises, but stock rises is real cool. I love the, I got the idea from another writer actually named Jack Fleer who works for 270 hoops and that's in Ohio. So, I mean, I'm just thankful for, for my whole website and what it's become. Last year, my first few pieces had no hits at all. I told you, I didn't, that's not really what it was about for me. It was more, you know, just starting myself up. Cause I'm, I was at the time, I was just 16 years old when I started stock riser. So what was I really expecting to make hundred thousand dollars off of an article? And dad said this no one expected my me to get this far so early but i stay real humble and i'm just excited to see what the future holds awesome really excited where, where are you going to school now oh um high school based out high school in queens okay have you thought about college where you're going to go and and does the you know covering recruits is that going to play into your decision at all well it's crazy this is real crazy kids from new york my last two schools that or that I'm down to or Kentucky and Louisville actually, but wow. I, I got up actually yeah, crazy. I got up to U of L and obviously if you see some of the things I post, I, I write for U of L site and I'm very, very close with their recruiting class for next year. And I mean I got into U of L and Kentucky I'm still waiting on. But I mean, honestly, whatever wherever I go, I'm still gonna try to expand this recruiting thing. But if an opportunity comes up where I could cover the team or where I can get a potential opportunity with the team itself. I, I think that's something I have to consider. So I've definitely been prepared if, in case I have to stop doing recruiting stuff. Like I, I have a backup plan and yeah. I'm definitely prepared, but I went up to U of L and I, and I'm, I loved it. I, I honestly, I, it's not what I expected it to be. It was 76 degrees in October, and I loved it because down here was raining degrees, and it was just an awesome time. And I actually, apparently, I built a fan base up there. So I mean, when I was on campus, met some people, I had a meeting. A lot of people knew who I was, and it was definitely real cool. podcast are probably going to start tweeting you as if you are a recruit, and I think they're probably going to try to point you in the direction of, of UK versus U of L, but I went to Kentucky, I, I lived in Louisville, lived in Louisville my entire life, with the exception of the, the four years when I was in Lexington. You can't go wrong either place, both cities are, are phenomenal, so best of luck in your decision there, but we brought you on to talk a little recruiting, this will be Kentucky specific in this regard, so I wanted to, to ask you a few questions, uh, you were the one that broke the news about Matthew Hurst's official visit which, first off, it was wild. Everybody thought he was going down to Big Blue Madness. I finally reached out to a few people the week of, and I was like, wait, you know, I never really confirmed this. Is he actually coming? Because there were some reports, and it was an instant. Yeah. That was never the plan for him to go for Big Blue Madness. And then everybody kind of went into a frenzy of when he actually was going to visit, and nobody knew until you broke the news, I think, last week or the week before. Yep. 
Yeah, actually, with with that whole thing, like I said, some of these messages come out of nowhere. I haven't talked to and to where, like, these kids tweet, oh, this coach came in, I had this in home, and that, and this, and that. But I was actually the last person to report anything on Matt prior to this when he had his in-home visits whenever they were with Coach K, and I think Bill Self, yeah. So I was honestly, I was just walking into my house, and I saw a note texting me that that visit was confirmed and locked in, so I just got it out there as fast as I can because I was in a rush. I didn't have time to write a piece. But then the, the plan for him right now after after Kentucky, I didn't report this. Eric Bossy did. I knew about it, but I, I didn't know whether I was, it was confirmed yet. But that next plan is to get to UNC December 15th. They play Gonzaga, I believe. So that would be, be a cool weekend for him. But from, from what it looks like, I, I think I saw a couple of people post about this, but usually after Kentucky visits, they're, Matt Hoop took some kind of special picture, I think, or whatever it was. I forgot someone tweeted. He was in the uniform. His hands are flipping out about it. But, I mean, right now, I think it's, it's a good fit to go there. I love his game. I really do. What he did this summer with the USA, I, I love his game. And the fact that he's kind of – I would say he's more under the radar for, for a five-star guy. I mean, you wouldn't expect him to be under the radar, but – as I said, it was kind of quiet since the in-home visits itself, but and I said this to someone the other day, actually, I even keep on Memphis also. Um, when I talked to Matt last, he told me Memphis actually contacts him all the time, and he has a great relationship with Mike Miller, and to see what they've done in the past few months, props to them, but I think we may see another Memphis UK battle here. I, I wouldn't be surprised. That's just my opinion. Once again, I yeah. don't know anything, any inside info. That's just my opinion. But if there's another UK Memphis, uh, whatever you want to call it, contest, whatever you want to call it, recruiting battle, I don't know what to call it at this point. But I, I think there's definitely a possibility. Once again, he said he had a great relationship with Mike Miller in his first few months. So I would watch out for them in this one also. Interesting. Uh, you know, you hear, uh, I like Kentucky's chances too. And I know people close to Kentucky really think that they're going to have a, a good shot at landing him and, and, and everything on the visit went well. The Jersey thing that you're referring to is, uh, you know how everybody, when they go to Duke or they go to UNC in front of all the Jordan shoes, they get in the jerseys and they post for pictures. Well, Kentucky has never done that before, ever. And Matthew Hurt was, and finally they were like, all right, damn it. They're doing it everywhere else. Kids like to get the likes on social media. They like to have that picture shared. We gotta start doing it. We have got to start doing it. I know a UK assistant had a conversation with Calipari about it, and sure enough, Cal was like, whatever, just do it. So Matthew Hurt became the first player for UK to, to take his picture in the jerseys and do that sort of deal and get all the likes on Instagram and that stuff. But you're, that, that's the first I've heard that this could come down to Kentucky and, and Memphis. Uh, I, I know Kentucky's in the thick of it, obviously, but usually you hear Duke, UNC, or maybe Kansas, and obviously the relationship he has with Bill Self from playing with him over the summer winning gold in Canada, uh, that was thought to be the leader for a while. But uh, the Memphis bit is interesting. You're going to have some Kentucky fans freaking out that are a little snake bit after the James Wiseman recruitment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's just my opinion. Last time I talked to Matt, he said he, they talk consistently as a great relationship with Mike Miller. And I think Villanova is involved, too. You obviously have the big schools, Villanova, and then you have the hometown, Minnesota. 
team that, I mean, I think they probably have a slight chance, but honestly, I don't expect them to stay home. I don't think he'll get stopped. To, I mean, how do I want to put this? He won't get the same opportunity at Minnesota than that he would at Kentucky or anywhere else. You got Kentucky playing on the biggest stage. You got Duke playing on the biggest stage. Minnesota has big games. Yeah, I'm going to give them that. But not you can't compare Minnesota to Duke or UNC or Kentucky. You just can't. So I, I expect it to come down to one of the blue bloods. And once again, I'm not counting out Memphis just yet. All right. All right, we're talking with Jake Weingarner here on the Hardly Committed Podcast. I said I was going to keep you on for 10 minutes. Here we are, just rolling right along. I feel like we could talk for an hour if we wanted to. Uh, how do you feel about Kentucky's chances with these two guys? And I, and I think with one of them, it's probably down to two schools, Kentucky being one of them. That's Keon Brooks, Indiana being the other one. And then Jay McDaniels, I think, is one of the quieter recruitments in this class that I can recall. Yeah. It doesn't seem like any any school has a great feel for exactly where he stands. Uh, Kentucky feels like I think they've done a good job building a relationship with his family. But when you're talking about a West Coast kid and the furthest destination point is potentially Kentucky, that's always hard to be able to pull a kid off from the West Coast. So what are you hearing on those two guys, and and ultimately what do you think they decide to do, or or, or where do you think Kentucky stands in those recruitments? Keon, I think Trace Jackson Davis's commitment kind of steered my decision towards Indiana. But like like I said, you you can't count anything out until yeah. there's a sign. And but after seeing some interviews with him after Trace committed, I, I'd watch out for Indiana. I'm not sure when he'll announce, but I'm gonna give my pick to Indiana there. That's just that that's an easy one for me. They Kentucky actually got a crystal ball prediction after his visit, but I, I stayed with Indiana whether Trace was gonna commit there or not. I just I, I think he belongs in Indiana, and I think Trace kind of sealed the deal for for Keon as well. And then from Daniel, you're definitely right. I really it's super quiet, but like I've seen, Cal's been out there twice, and I've heard that the offer has been out for months. I heard yeah. that it's been five five months, right? Five, I think five months since the initial offer came. But like you said, it's real quiet. And he'll actually be in New York for Battle in the Apple at Barclays Center December 9th. And coincidentally, facing off with Aiden McGahan, the former Kentucky recruit. So, I mean, that that should be a fun one. I think I heard there's going to be tons of coaches in attendance, so we'll see who shows up for that. I saw anything on McDaniels was the, the, his visits, and that's really it. But yeah. as a pick for a pick, I, I really I don't know at this point. I I put for me it's definitely you got to watch the West Coast schools because you said Kentucky's a, a stretch for a West Coast guy, so you just San Diego State, UCLA, you gotta watch out for Yeah, a, a lot of good options there for for Jay McDaniel's Kentucky. Really, the only I guess blue blood I guess you throw UCLA in that mix, but I think UCLA is probably running in last in his recruitment. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to see ultimately what he decides to do. It looks like Hurt and McDaniel's. Most likely you're going to wait until the spring and wait maybe see who stays and goes at some schools. Uh, like you said, Keon Brooks hasn't really set a timetable. It seems like maybe the, the end is near for that recruitment. Uh, but do you agree with that on her to McDaniels? Most likely going to wait until the spring. Oh, yeah, I'd say so because when I when I talked to – I actually talked to Matt's dad, and they want to get visits done. And you look at the Duke visit, 
that that's not for another I think two months or I think it's in February, yeah, or Jan- sometime in January, and that's that's just booked right now. So I mean, he could take visits before that, after that, but I think once the visits are done, he'll take some time, and then I, I think the decision will come. I, I wouldn't be shocked if it, yeah, like you said, probably he'll wait till the spring. And McDaniel's, I mean. We both said this. It's it's been real quiet, so you never know. He could come out of the blue and recruit tomorrow. I mean, you would never know. It's so quiet with him. But I I honestly think he'd wait till the spring also, but we have to we have to find out. All right, and and one more question, I guess, while we have you on, Kentucky missed on James Wiseman. They missed on Bird and Carey. They it doesn't seem like they're going to get Isaiah Stewart. There hasn't been any buzz there. Is there any, in your opinion, and just kind of talking with some of these kids, is there any cause for concern that Calipari's lost a step on the recruiting trail, or is this just a situation where every recruitment's different? James Wiseman decided he wanted to stay home. Michigan State and Duke have been on Vernon Carey a lot longer than Kentucky. Is it just every situation's a little different and no need to panic, or is Calipari kind of losing maybe a little bit of a touch? I, I don't. I don't agree with. Coach Cal is losing his touch. If you look at the 2019 class, Whitney is a stud. He's a complete stud. I, I've seen him play recently. He's, he's awesome. He's got he's signing in the spring. I think I read today. He was signing. He didn't really do anything. in a week. I mean, Tyrese Maxey is an excellent player also. So that 2019 class is real good. Like you said, I think every recruitment's different. Everyone has a school that they get real comfortable with. You can visit Kentucky, love it, and the next weekend go to Duke and love it even more. It's just yeah. it's how the it's how the player feels about the school. I don't think this this coach is losing touch. Just that Coach Cal did not lose a step. I think he'll be fine. This 2019 class is great, and I don't think they're done yet. But I think they'll end one more, whether it's McDaniel's or whoever it is. But I don't think he's lost his step. I just think it's how the player feels about each school. You see James Wiseman wanted to stay home. I don't think it was Kentucky being a bad school or Coach Cal being a bad coach. I just think he felt comfortable staying home and being in front of his friends and his family. Well said. Jake, uh, let our listeners know where they can follow your work on Twitter and uh, one more time the website where you most, most – and the dogs are going crazy in the backyard here uh, – where, <laughs> where they can read your stuff. My Twitter is at Jake Weingarten, J-K-E-W-E-I-N-G-A-R-T-P-N. And my website is com. one word, uh, well, no spaces. But, yeah, that's where you can find my work. And I'll even, I'm going to have my college decision real soon if anyone's interested. So, yeah, thanks for having me, though. Well, we appreciate it. And if you don't make your college decision either in a video or a tipped in edit or something like that, you're really missing an opportunity. Uh, you got to treat it like a, child, a college, like like you're a, a five star recruit, Jake. Well, Tipton Edits is my guy, so I mean, hopefully <laughs> I could get something done with him. I, I hope I'm I'm five star level for him, but I'm, I'm definitely gonna get something cool done. Don't worry about that. Awesome. Well, best of luck moving forward. We appreciate the time, and we'll talk to you soon. Uh, a little football real quick. Okay. Uh, if you want to listen to I'm not going to say anything about Wando Robinson because it could be dated by the time you hear it. Dated? How so? Because things could change today uh, with Wandell's commitment. It's, it's on thin ice with Kentucky. We'll just put it that way. If you want to listen to more, listen to Kentucky Roll Call's podcast because we spent a good chunk of our show today, probably about the whole first hour, talking about it. Yeah. So go over there, subscribe to Kentucky Roll Call. It's on iTunes. You can get your Wandell stuff. 
But as far as other things go, I mean, everything else pretty positive on UK's recruiting front. In a story coming out uh, as soon as I can get to it, uh, Sean Kel Knight, golf, is trying to enroll early. Nice. That's good to hear. Yeah. Um, you always want dudes to enroll early. Yes. Um, and it's one of those things, too, where like I was looking at their class. They've got like six linebackers committed. Uh, he said that he's going in as an athlete, and they might even try him out at strong safety. No. Be a pretty, pretty big strong safety. Um, he played a lot of that in high school. Um, but otherwise, there's a lot of momentum right now going Kentucky's way, aside from the Wando Robinson stuff, because the Cats are set up to land a commitment from Jared Casey, a guy who, mind you, did decommit from Oregon just a week ago. Kentucky was the runner-up in that recruitment, and all signs are pointing to a Casey commitment. If I was to have a prediction in one of those recruiting services things, I would predict Casey to Kentucky. That's happening at 5 Thursday afternoon. Another four-star commitment from the state. And while that kid's on the brink of committing, there's two other four-star recruits that are kind of unexpected, off the radar, who are scheduled, who have scheduled official visits in Lexington for Kentucky's huge recruiting weekend uh, coming up next weekend. Ned is four-star cornerback Jamie Robinson from South Carolina. Stoops was in his home for a visit last night. Uh, and then the other one's Devontae Lee. Uh, Amani Gilmore's receiver out of Louisiana, where uh, there's a lot of things trending towards Louisiana, or excuse me, LSU, in Lee's recruitment, but Cats could sneak up there. They vi- they visited him in his home uh, two weeks ago. Um, and, you know, anything can happen on these last-minute recruiting visits. And probably the biggest fish of the of them all, even though he's not a four-star guy, not ranked really high, and that's uh, defensive tackle Savon Butler, who Ohio State's been awfully friendly with. But, hey, Buckeyes got a new coach. He's remained committed to them, even though he's officially visited already. And he will officially visit on that final weekend um, in Lexington right before signing day. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, a little football. Boom. How about that? Football. All right. Uh, we're going to head over to the Annex. Make sure do me a favor and subscribe to this podcast. If you haven't already, please leave a review. That stuff matters, and we'd appreciate it. And we're going to head to the Annex and talk a little office. We'll be back. Welcome to the Annex, a Christmas edition. Ho, ho, ho. You really love the Santa thing. I think I ho, opened up a can ho, of worms ho. on that ad that we did. I, that told, I, I told my wife that if I can, when I get older, I'm growing a beard and I'm going to be Santa in the, uh, in the Christmas season. That's going to be your, your sad gig? Yeah, it's pretty profitable. So I had to go too. to the mall to pick up a cookie cake on Sunday. You couldn't just make a cookie cake? You're too good to make one? Well, it was my brother's birthday. My mom ordered it. I was being a good son and picking it up. So if you would like to talk a little more shit to my mom, just just say it. Just hey, say it. Hey, TJ's mom, why don't you make TJ make the cookie cake next time? He needs a little work. What a jerk. Talking trash about a mother, a hardworking mother that 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 put together. Oh, by the way, my brother got freaking steak and crab legs for his birthday. What? Oldest son. I think we know who the who the favorite is. I got fucking spaghetti. <laughs> I got spaghetti for my birthday. 
Jonathan gets steak and crab legs for his. It's bullshit, Mom. You know what? It, you know what, Mom? You should make of, your own cookie reminds cake. Reminds me of a bad game of Yankee Swap. Yankee Swap. Speaking of which, that's what we're going to talk about today. It's December. So as you know, we go through episode by episode, but in October, we did the Halloween episodes. In December here, uh, the first one today being December 5th, we're going to do the Christmas episodes, and that starts with the Christmas party one. Which, by the way, if we were still going in order, we would have been only one off. It would have been email surveillance. So in January, we'll come back. We'll do email surveillance. and uh, But today, we do Christmas party. The first Christmas party in the office. It was episode 16 of season two. And boy, was it one of the best Christmas parties. Yeah. I don't think the best. I still go with Benihana. Yes. But, but Christmas this, party is right there with it. This one just, it's one of those that I, I get uncomfortable because he's such a jerk during it. Yeah, it's 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 like one of the few where Yankee like, Swap. Gosh, Michael, why are you such a jerk? Come on, can you imagine the outcry at your family stuff? What what does your family do? Do you all do Dirty Santa? We don't really give each other gifts. The kids get gifts, but like, um, is that's like the big extended family. Now with the immediate family, my mom will come. We'll just give each other gifts, um, and then my mom comes up with a game. That's usually fun. So we we used to do like you would draw a name out of a hat. We do it at Thanksgiving. You draw a name out of the hat, and that's who you have to get a gift for on Christmas. Right. And then I don't know. It just it's like pretty typical. There would be some cousins that you'd be like, I don't really know too much about that person, and you'd have to ask their significant other what they wanted. And at that point, it's like, All right, well, why don't you just buy it for me, and I'll give you the money. Venmo wasn't a thing back then, but then about like five six years ago, we changed it into a dirty Santa. And since then, it's been kind of fun. Mm-hmm. But just imagine like going into a dirty Santa and be like, you know what? Never mind. No dirty Santa. We're gonna sign people. You like you're giving your gift to your aunt Cheryl and be like, oh, okay. Well, Cheryl doesn't drink, and this is a huge thing of bourbon. Oh, well, this is what Michael does, but the opposite. They have gifts set out specifically for everybody. They call it Yankee Swap in Scranton. What are the other names for it? White Elephant? Um, dirty, dirty Santa. Dirty Santa is the one I've always known. There's uh, another one. Uh, but Yankee Swap is another one. He calls it Yankee Swap. They have gifts for everybody. Michael ta- takes his bonus from having to fire Devin and buys a $400 video iPod for Ryan. However, when he finds out what his gift is going to be, he changes it to be a Yankee Swap, so the iPod is up for grabs. Which, by the way, $400 for video iPod. That used to be a thing. Like yeah. that was prices people were paying for stuff. I wonder if there's ever going to be a day that we're looking at iPhones and we're like, "You paid a thousand dollars for an iPhone?" Oh, there definitely will. But like, especially in hindsight, like it it costs a lot to pay to get a movie on your little iPod and yeah. watch it on that tiny little screen. It yeah, it's a tiny screen. I do miss the little wheel thing though. What, what do you call that? This the the wheel that you use. Yeah, to I think you just call it the wheel. I thought there was like a fancy name for it. But uh, yeah, he, he's going to get a, an oven glove from Phyllis. You know what I do hate? I actually hate this in general. Not that I'm not appreciative, I am. But like, I hate opening gifts in front of people. Ooh, because it, like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not one that I'm going to open a gift and like break down and start crying. <laughs> like everything I do when I open a gift, a little inside baseball for my family that's listening, is like fake. Because I'm not, the only thing that can like trigger an emotion for me that much is either like an animal or a sports event. That's it. Opening a present's not going to like get me to like break down and cry. But I will be happy. I'll be like, "Oh, thank you." Yeah. But that doesn't that's not what you want to see when somebody opens your gift. You just don't want to see them be like, "Cool. This is great. I really appreciate it." And nothing's worse than like like, "Man, I think it was, I think it was last year. I just had a bad like I I 
I've got to be in a good gift giving zone. Like this year, I feel like I, I I picked some good ones for my siblings, but last year I just didn't do well. And then my brother-in-law crushed it. And so I'm like, gosh, like, I, I don't know how to be grateful, but also not feel like I did poorly on my gift giving part. It's, it can be very awkward. And that's why I hated how big of a jerk Michael was because a, he broke the rules. Um, and B, if you're going to do a Yankee swap, because we'll do that at the in-laws, uh, they have a game where you just get like a $10 gift and you pass it around, you open it, it's fun, but you have to know that it's it's going to be a wide open gift that you can give to others. And they bought very specific gifts, like, I don't want your poster of babies playing jazz music. You don't? Who the hell wants that besides Angela? Nobody. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't either. Uh, it, doesn't Angela... Is this the one she gets offended or no? Uh, no, later she gets okay. offended, and then Oscar has to wear it as a shirt. Okay. That was his <laughs> yeah, conflict yeah, yeah, resolution. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's hilarious. Uh, all right, so as you can imagine, things don't go well. This is where Jim kind of wants to – do you think his plan was to be like, I'm going to tell you my feelings, Ooh, I'm going to lay it all out? Because he ends up giving Pam the card in like the last season. Yeah, but you never know what's on it. Yeah. I wonder Maybe what it saying, is. I wonder what it is too. I just and Michael Phyllis is so nice, and you know how much time it probably took her to knit that. Like that wasn't easy, and he's just being a jerk about it. Yeah, a big jerk. It's probably because he doesn't even make his own food. He just throws bags of vegetables in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, that that was another like kind of dated thing where that was pretty revolutionary at the time. Yeah, put a bag of vegetables in the microwave, and it's good. That's all I do now for my vegetables. That's it. Yeah, they get a little too watery when you do that. No. Yeah, well, they do. Well, no. well they, 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 they do. They, they, my wife I has made several bags of vegetables. She's, and just, my, she's just not making them oh, right yeah, now. Oh, yeah, throwing things in a microwave. She's not she's doing it correctly. She's not doing it the right way. I, they're just a little too watery than the than the real thing. Maybe you're not going to the right Kroger. Kroger's. Maybe we're not a Kroger family. <laughs> wow. Uh, all right, how about, uh, how about the end of this episode? Fireworks. Because you have one of my favorite lines where Michael goes to get the vodka. Yep. <laughs> this is enough to get an office of 12 people drunk? And it's like 11 handles <laughs> of like, vodka. Yeah. I, what is, it, is it 20 or whatever it is? But he's like, yeah, 12, 12 handles of, of vodka? Yeah, that should do it. <laughs> and then they go there, and all Michael wants to do is somebody to be with a lampshade on their head. Todd Packer shows up. Oh, great. Gets Pac-Man. hammered, passed out almost instantly. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, Meredith flashing Michael to end, to end the episode. And Michael's response is like classic. This is, I think, a, a point where the office starts to take a little bit of a transformation, uh-huh. and that, like you, you really start to know these characters. You like start to realize Mer- Meredith wanted a hookup, right? Yeah, definitely. you don't you don't do that just for like look at these puppies, right? I'm yeah, not that, a that's girl. Not a, that's, not a, that's not a move. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. just not. But uh, he. <laughs> Goes around taking pictures of everybody. We've all known those. Like back in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, that was a thing. Like digital cameras and just taking pictures of people. Where those pictures ended up, usually nowhere. Yeah. You nowhere. deleted them. But on this one, he wants to see if he can get any for the the company, the company pamphlet. Pamphlet. Pam- newsletter. pamphlet. Newsletter. Newsletter. That's yeah. the word he uses. Uh, but ultimately, it all works out. A lot of people get the gifts that they're supposed to get, and it's a uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, I, I love this episode. I like Creed giving the old shirt to Jim that doesn't fit. Uh, Oscar then, buys Creed, the, the shittiest gift of all. Forget the, the oven mitt. The forget Irish, the old T-shirt. The keychain. Irish keychain. We had. I think he's Irish. We had a Christmas exchange once with just our roommates, and my room my roommate pulled a Creed, and just had forgotten about it. 
and like we texted and we were like, Hey buddy, when you, you know, we're all here ready to open our gifts. And he's like, Oh, getting off work. I'll be there soon. And, uh, he clearly had forgotten, stopped in a gas station, bought me a UK gas station hat. <laughs> Didn't wrap it. Just gave it to me. I love that. Uh, my, my favorite gift of all is, and this is one where we learn more about Kevin because he finds out that he, he got himself in the Christmas gift, but he just really wants a foot massager. So he buys himself a foot massager. Yeah. Great stuff. Good job, yeah. Kevin. Smart move on Kevin's part. And then he gets worried that he's not going to be able to get it because it's Yankee Swap. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Ooh. And we will uh, we'll see you next week. Hardly committed. TJ oh, Walker really? and Nick Roush. <laughs> Should I stay or should I go?